Thank you guys for listening to the Still Searching Podcast. The show is sponsored by Flowers by Fidel's. If you're interested in purchasing Fidel's products, DM them for an upcoming event and follow on uh, Instagram, Flowers by, by, by Fidel's and Young White Mamba. Cultivated in Los Angeles. Make sure you guys try the runs in the Mac 1. Thank you guys for tuning in to Still Searching. I have a incredible conversation with the one and only Carla Torres. So if you already know who she is, you already know it's going to be an entertaining conversation. Um, if you don't know who she is, just listen anyway. It's a She's just an interesting person, just a, an a amazing individual. Um, for those of you who know her, you're going to trip out on what we talk about. And yes, I asked if anybody hit it yet. And you got to listen to find out the answer. She's been on some dates, yo. You're going to trip out on that as well. So um, buckle up for this one. It's an amazing conversation. We talk about Teen Reach. We talk about the collapse of Teen Reach. Evolving spiritual, uh, you know, different spiritual um, beliefs now. And uh, we could come off as, you know, not really into all this. But trust me, we still love God, you know, even me and, and, and her. Like, you, you, you'll hear that. We still deeply care and, and are down with it, down with people. So shout out to the supporters, my pops, Josh Vi. Make sure you guys subscribe. Rate us on uh, Apple. Subscribe on Spotify, all those places that you guys listen and help this podcast grow. If you'd like to support, you can do that on our webpage. So let's jump into this conversation with uh, Carla Torres. Hope you guys are ready. Shout out Sonny from POD. I'm going to send this to you, man. We got to get you on here. This is a, a, a artist from uh, Russia as well that features Sunny on the track. Pretty dope. I have a very special guest. This is the one we've been setting up, it seems like, for a few episodes with all of the uh, old school Arizona people that I've been, I had on, um, talking to the one and only Carla Torres. Yo, What's up? yo, yo. <laughs> in, the, right. in the house, this is another virtual interview. It's kind of weird. Like, it's such a different dynamic when you're like in the room and we're just hanging out in the back. But this works. Yeah, no, it does. Man. I I do wish I'm like, man, I wish I was still back in California because then I just drive over to your guys' place and do this. But, you know, obviously I'm black. I'm, I'm black. I'm back in Florida. <laughs> you are a little black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've all, we've always said I've, I've got, you know, I've got a, my soul, my soul's a little, a little darker. Absolutely. Than my actual skin. Yeah. But, you know, being being a nigga on Wednesday, only Wednesday. Though. <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> no, my for real though. My black friends, 
my black friends always did when I used to, you know, they would ask like, oh, so you're just Mexican? I'm like, no, I'm like a quarter Mexican, a quarter Peruvian, and I'm Nicaraguense. And they're like, wait, you would nigga what? <laughs> and I'm like, a Nicaraguense. And they're like, oh, so you just oh, only you. a nigga on Wednesday. And I was oh, like, I got yeah, you. <laughs> only on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a nice play on words there. You had me for a second. I was like, wait a minute. You don't got that car. You don't got that pass yet. You probably do. I, no, I do. That, that was that was my black friends, and yeah. you know, you know, they just were crazy and funny. I mean, I mean, I was given the pass a long time ago, but I never use it. I, like, I can't, just can't, we can't. We yeah, can't. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> no, nope. Oh man, that's so funny. Well, um, I'm so glad to have you on. Like, we've uh, a f- you know, a lot of the conversations that we've been having always, you know, this is about telling stories and and the show the stories that shape us and. I can't yeah. I can't help but tell share my experience and my story without mentioning Arizona. And yeah. it was just like a crucial time in my life and learned learned a lot, experienced a lot. Um <clears throat> and and you know, I always say my time there was uh was was good. I don't really like my time was 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 good. Like it was I guess what I needed at the time and I'm Yeah. I feel like I got out at the right time too. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, we connected like years later, and um, we just kind of connected on like the different vibes we're on now. Like our spirituality has evolved, our yep. belief system, our the way we view the world changed, and it was so amazing. So we 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 connected maybe about a year ago. I think maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah, I would have to say it was like a year and a half ago because I was in I was in SoCal, living in SoCal for like nine months, and then I came back to Orlando this past June. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a little bit, but we had a great time. Like we just hung out. Um, oh yeah. Your pops was here, and, and we just hung out, and you, um, we just had some great conversations, and it was just amazing to see like the path that we both kind of taken and we kind of ended up yeah. like sort of in the same spot in the same place. So, um, tell us yeah. about, tell us about your, your story, man. Like, I mean, how crazy was it growing up in, in the whole like teen reach vibe and all that craziness? Yeah. The, that's funny that you say that. Cause it, it's how to like, I don't see it as craziness because it, in a sense, it was my life. I, there, I taking a step back from it all now because we haven't been doing it for God knows how long now forever, but in it growing up my whole life, that was my normal. I didn't mm. know what norm, normal was. I didn't know, you know, I thought it was like normal to have like 20 people all up in your home and <laughs> you know, like, you know, you had different different gang member people. So you had Crip, Blood, 18th Street, you know, all the different 20 million gang names, Brown Pride, you know, um, living in your house, you know, the Sureños, Norteños. Like, I mean, gosh, I can't, I think for somebody who didn't grow up or somebody who didn't, who wasn't a gang member, like how much gang history I know. That's just how (laughs) I live. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then, like, for to have, like, a heroin addict, you know, from Oakland, you know, 15-year-old girl with, like, track marks all up and down her body. And it was just like, oh, yeah, like, that's normal, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. so it's like that it wasn't it, – it, it, what was actually crazy is, especially in the last, I think it's been about 
maybe, yeah, it's been about 10 years being out of having people all up in my space and, you know, like all in my family life and, you know, not really seeing my dad a lot and, you know, all of that. Like, it's just been like taking a step back from it and being like, whoa, like, yeah. So for it really wasn't normal. <laughs> right. So for yeah. the people who don't know, so uh, Carla's parents started a, a like a teen rehabilitation program. And yeah, you were literally born like in it. Right. I mean, that's like, like yeah, you said, it was all, you know, like. Yeah. Well, because what happened was after my dad got out of got out of jail for, you know, charges that he you know, was, you know, they were trying to put him, lock him up for, you know, he probably would have been locked up easy for 10, 15 years, you know, for some of the charges that he was locked up for. Um, but you know, it was like a miracle that his case, they like lost papers and they didn't really have a case against him. So they just had to drop all the charges. I think he only spent like, you know, I don't know, it was like 30 days or something like that in jail or, or, oh, 10 10, 10 days or something. Yeah. I don't know how many. It's days. one of those. Something like that. It's one of those technicalities where you just they they mess up and it gets thrown out, right? Like the yeah, yeah. And and then you know, obviously, he gave his life to God. Found, uh, ended up getting being a part of Victory Outreach, and then he was like, oh wow, like you know, we're helping people get out of gangs like me, and he just wanted to help people. And next, thing you know, we had. You know, this, I don't even remember the guy's name. And now that I can think, I, I used to remember it, but I, right at the moment I can't. But this massive dude just living in our house. And we had, it was like a tiny, you know, duplex up in South City. And ever since then, yeah, San Francisco. And, um, uh, you know, ever since then, my dad was taking in kids into our home. And over, by the time I was like, I want to say by the time I was like eight years old, um, he started to become, he started to become like well-known on the streets for kids who wanted to get out of gangs and drugs and stuff. Um, like you could just come and live with him. So they used to call, um, <laughs> our house camp Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it started. And then out from it came teen reach. And, and then after teen reach and whole craziness out there, it went from teen reach to, to like a second chance to what was it like Christian family network or something slash spirit life church. So we've been through a lot of resurrections and yeah. Death and, resurre and resurrection. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, they, Cause then you guys were in the dream center too, right? For Yeah, we were, but we were in the dream center as teen reach. Cause okay. again, in, in, uh, the Dream Center was probably the height of, I guess you would call our Christian fame. Yeah. Um, because at that point, my dad was known pretty much in the U.S. and parts of the world as the guy who could help teens, troubled teens. Mm -hmm. No, you know. And the Dream Center, they were after we had gone to Tommy Barnett's church because at the time we were living in Arizona, and apparently when thirty kids 50 kids or however many, i think it was like anywhere from 30 to 50 at the time because we had at that point like three or four houses in scottsdale and in a ten thousand member church and that was back too when tommy's church was it was packed up to three balconies now i don't think it's as packed anymore the church isn't as big as it used to be but um 
in a 10,000 member church, I guess 30 to 50 kids stood out because we were so passionate. Mm. And, um, at that point, you know, like they just loved having us there. They got to know my dad a little bit more. My dad, um, you know, ended up becoming a, a minister and used to sit on the, there was like 15 ministers that used to sit on the stage. And then Tommy was like, Hey, Hey, we need help in East LA. My son is opening up a program out there. Um, and basically called us to, in a sense, to Gestapo the Dream Center because <laughs> they they had they were trying to help kids, but you know it was like it was like these you know white dudes who knew nothing about like about the, the streets. streets, yeah, yeah, and they don't they didn't know the rules of the streets <laughs> and how that worked, and so they were like, oh, we know you could help kids, so we need you to basically help us to clean up the Dream Center because it's was literally being overrun by like gang members and drug dealers. And I remember the first week we were there, the biggest drug dealer there in East LA, um, out of 18th street, no temple street out of temple street. This dude was huge. <laughs> they called him goofy. Right. And he wasn't like, he would like, I don't understand why they called him goofy because he didn't look right. funny. You right. know what I say? Like he was just something you didn't want to mess with. Yeah. And it's funny. How you know, my dad, work. <laughs> I know. Right. It's so weird. And my dad and him went like, you know, they had like a conversation like, yo, we, I know what you're doing, but if any kids are going to be getting out of gangs and being a part of your, you know, your religion or whatever, they were like, you know, we better see them acting right. Cause if not, basically we're going to take them out. <laughs> and I remember one day we were up at the, we were up uh, at the top level and he just comes like all crazy in his car, you know, my dad gets in his face, he gets in his face and it's just like this whole standoff. And I'm like, Oh man, someone's about to die here. And then basically tells my dad, like, yo, if anybody ever messes with you guys and your family or your ministry or whatever, he's like, just come and talk to me. And I was just like, we all know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Code for that is, you know, we know that street code is. And, um, yeah, he just, after that, it was like, you know, um, it just blew up. And I remember even, Edward James almost ended up coming out for like three days because PBS had done a documentary on what we were doing and, you know, um, getting kids like jumped out of gangs and they were filming all of this. I mean, it was, we were on TBN every Friday night, every other month we were on Charisma magazine with like a full color, you know, uh, full blown, uh, color ad. So, I mean, calls were coming in from everywhere. It got, which it got, the got huge in the evangelical world. Like it was oh, everywhere. Oh God. Oh yeah. I mean, at that point there wasn't, there wasn't a church who didn't know what we were doing. There wasn't a pastor who didn't know what we were doing. My dad was flying out every week preaching somewhere. And then he would fly back in for our Thursday night, for the Thursday night service at the dream center and for our Friday night services. So my dad was constantly on the road. I don't think I saw him for like a good six years, honestly. Wow. And then you guys are always like your dad and, and like the ministry was always like sort of uh, on the forefront of technology and like advertising and like design and stuff. So like that's how my dad found you guys was uh, was an ad in, in Charisma magazine. Right. A lot of people. And the funny thing is a lot of people who, were, who had come to Teen Reach during your time had found us out because of Charisma and yeah, I mean, the forefront of technology, I mean, my dad was always like a, he was like a computer geek, you know, yeah. um, just had a brain for all of that stuff. And I remember as a kid, he just always was messing with computers, somehow would find a way to get money to 
have Ma- I mean, we had the old school original Max. Right. I don't think any kid had that. And it's not like we were rich or anything, but somehow he make stuff like that happen because you know right. we were. N- not only was uh, my dad, um, uh, not only obviously was he taking care of us as a family, but he was taking care of everybody that was living in our house at the time prior to us moving to Arizona, or I think, or maybe even before Arizona, but there was only a few kids who, who were paying. But from like the good portion of the time we lived in California, my parents were like taking care, care of everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to school one day and they're like, you can't come to school because your parents haven't paid your tuition. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. And I re- dude, we were in, we were at Walmart with like graphic, like, uh, Back in the day when you would you would have to take graphics and um, you would have to print them out. And then like there was – man, it was a whole process. I don't remember exactly it, but we used to stand out front of Walmart asking for money because we were to about print? to get kicked out of our own to, – yeah, to get uh, food or get kicked because oh, wow. we were about to – we were – I think my parents had um, – were late on their payments of the house and everything. It was crazy. I mean at one point we ate – what we called beans, rice, and Jesus Christ, because right. we didn't have no food. And I remember standing at the food bank as a kid, but even back then, um, going back to the technology thing, like my dad had kids like learning computers, and next thing you know, they were selling pagers and stuff. You know, this was <laughs> in the late. This is like early nineties into yeah. the late nineties. Yeah, you know, and it's it's crazy too, like how some of those kids now like some of them are still into technology or you know, some, have of gone them, into- some of them yeah. made careers out of what they learned in, in their time in the program. Ex- yeah. Exactly. It ba- it was basically like a college, you know, in, right. in that sense, you, they got help, they got the help they needed. And then at the same time, we're given um, purpose in a profession, you know, right. to go into if they wanted to. Going back to the dream center. I remember seeing a, the video of uh, your dad was, uh, I guess one of the, when Achola was like trying to get, trying to come back or trying to come into the church to the church and turn her life around. But she was in a gang and she had to get jumped out and your dad and the whole crew went to the streets and your dad was t- talking to the OGs like, Hey, she's going to get out. She's going to serve the Lord. And I know, you know, the, the coach, she has to j- get jumped out. So we're here to make sure it gets, she gets jumped out and, and they filmed it. It was filmed and they were jumping yep. it out of the gang uh, on, uh, on video. Yeah, that was not only just captured on video, that was aired on national TV on PBS, narrated by Edwards James Almost. That was what I was saying earlier. Oh, that that was the video. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah, one I mean that and that's only one of many. I mean I mean we had captured I mean all, it's all lost now, sadly. But oh, um sucks. I know, but I mean that was just one of many many encounters. I mean and it was it was like that and i remember too she came she came um came back the next day because she was obviously in you know in the school that my dad had started and everything and i looked at her face and she she i just was like man jessica i was like man i feel bad for you and she's like no she's like don't even feel bad for me i'm like why she said because this she's like had your parents not have been there she's like and all all the crew from teen reach hadn't been there she's like it would have been worse she's like and i would have been dead by now and she and it's true because she only really had like a black guy and then like maybe like a few scratches and stuff like that but you know she didn't i mean she didn't look bad at all for somebody who i mean you want if you you watched the video, but if anyone else had watched the video, I mean, you see like 10 girls just beating her up and right. she wasn't that bad 
for all of that, you know. Yeah, they probably took it easy on her because the cameras were rolling. Like, oh, hey, dog, oh, yeah, don't shank her, eh? Exactly. <laughs> and then I think too, like by coincidence, like a cop car had like also passed by or something too. Yeah. Like, if you watch it in the video, I was like, what are the odds of that? You know? Yeah. Like a cop car coming by as well. So yeah, it was it was nuts, man. But my whole life was like that. I mean, I remember at one point my parent, my dad was considering buying a um like a tank because we were and this was this was during the dream center days too because we were we basically had houses in scottsdale we had um we were living in the dream center and then we had two houses still up in the east bay in california northern california and um my dad was like man he's like if we're gonna keep going to these places like we need to protect ourselves because it was i mean being shot at and stuff is crazy you know And so he was like, you know, there was like, I guess a tank on sale for like $10,000. I'm dead serious. Like, I remember like, I was like, this would be so cool. I'm like, in my head, I was thinking, I'm like, I'd be the coolest person ever. Like going up to my friend's house in a tank. Yeah. But he ended up settling for a bulletproof truck that basically looked like a food truck type, you know? And, um... You know, because they they just it was just so bad in the plate, the areas that they were going to go. They were picking up kids. And because also too, the if I recall correctly, um, they were also about to be picking up a kid in East Palo Alto. Um, and I don't know if you met him or heard about him. I think you may have. I don't know. His name was was Ben Ben Carrillo. And I don't think I that was before me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and it was like his whole story and how that all happened was crazy too because basically they had like come up in his in his house and threatened his mom and they were like well, next time we see him like we're taking him he's dead i mean he was literally going to be dead the next day and you know east palo alto was especially at the time in the late 90s especially in northern california it was if people thought east la i mean east uh east oakland was crazy yeah People didn't people didn't know how bad East Palo Alto was. Like you just did not go driving through East Palo Alto, whether you live there or not, because there was like drive bys all the time. Like mm. it was it was crazy. Um so yeah, man, it was it was nuts. And so we ended up buying a like a armored a bulletproof truck. like <laughs> truck. Taco uh, food truck. <laughs> yeah, like some taco <laughs> truck. It was that's crazy. Actual taco, but like you know, one of those smaller food trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like it, it was exa- and it was all silver. And I think we wow. had we had that for like a good year or two, and then we we were like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny too is uh, uh, your dad remembers like my dad from the eighties. Um, yeah. And that was well, that was just so funny how like that all worked out. That was just, it's weird, like you, it, the the world, the universe works just just in the weird in crazy ways. ways yeah yeah, yeah. he used to tell us stories of like you know he'd be getting beat up at, at in victory outreach you know not literally but you know what i mean like just slammed you know what i mean like the the style of leadership and how you know all this hierarchy and weird stuff you know and he said oh, yeah. that he would go to my dad's church to get loved on and like <laughs> get renewed or whatever and go back back in the go back to victory yeah, outreach man. and stuff 
Yeah, because VO was crazy. I mean, I don't think people realize it was basically, I mean, going from one gang to another gang right. that supposedly said they loved you. <laughs> yeah, but it was like a love hate thing, you know? Like, it's all, yeah. And then all they, you know, they talked about Jesus, and I was like, oh, okay. No, I remember they, um, they back in, uh, I think I was like five, five years old when, um, they had basically told my dad because of, you know, he was helping kids and they were like, well, you need to go through like leader ranks and you need, it needs to be approved. It's weird crap. Like, you know, yeah. which, you know, which later on all of like that compiled, whether it was Victor outreach, whether it was Pentecostal, whether it was evangelical non-denominational, I started realizing that like religion is just super intense like that. Like it just comes in different shapes and sizes. And they ended up telling my dad because he was trying to help people and trying to help, you know, trying to help people out that if you keep doing what you're doing, you know, we're going to kick you out. And they not only kicked him out of the church, but they said, you're never allowed to come back to San Francisco and don't even think about coming to San Francisco to visit your family. I mean, this is the crazy (laughs) stuff they were saying. Yeah. Operating like the mafia. Yeah. And then I remember, I remember as a kid, my dad getting dragged out of the church at VO Hayward. My mom and my mom was lead was was helping lead worship. <laughs> Man, these church people are crazy. Yeah, you know, but and and again, like I said, like whether it was VO or you know, if you when you break it down, whether it was non non denominational, whether it's Pentecostal or Baptist or whatever, they do this. They excommunicate people. Don't you can't. You know, like you can't come to the church anymore. You can't come here because of whatever thing that they say that the Bible you can't do, you know, and because this person's a sinner. And now we all have to like can't talk to this stuff, you know, can't talk to these people anymore because they're going to make the people of the church fall away. And, you know, we've even we even did some of that stuff back in the day, you know, we're excommunicating people, which was dumb. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh. When I left, I, I, I told your dad this, like, I kind of felt that. And, um, but he was like, nah, well, I think actually, I think at the time I called him cause I was like mm-hmm. having all these dreams, like weird dreams, like, um, just weird stuff. And he was like, well, I think it's because your principal, this is when he was still, you know, real yeah. uh, religious and stuff. And he was like, yeah. well, I think it's cause your principles change and we remain, you know, we, uh, we kept our principles and you've, you know, a adopted others or whatever and i was like okay yeah. maybe and that was that yeah and um you know it, it just everything changed though but um let's talk about when i so when i was there this was early 2000s and this was in yep. arizona and i think when it was like there were you guys hella houses like there was at this point we had 18 houses easy. yeah yeah it was like 18 and then i you guys came to my church and did the whole like passion purity purpose thing and um like oh the pastor's kid he's smoking weed he's having sex he's leading all the youth you know to hell blah 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 listening to rap music and rock music and all, you know what i mean it was like all this like guilt, yeah. guilt and shame and yep. uh so i ended up i had to break up with priscilla and had to confess like all my sin <laughs> in front of the whole I remember, church i remember all that i remember all that <laughs> and like it was just a big old thing um and then i was like all right, then I'm going to go then. I'm going to roll with you guys. I'm going to go. Like I literally like the week, like the next week I like went out to Arizona and I just like took, I just went <laughs> and your dad was like, all right. 
put me in the men's home and yep. did my time with uh with Alex with with uh Martin. Yep. Chicolini. Oh. Uh, yep. Dang. Who else was in there? I Is- forgot Israel. about all of you guys. All of you guys were together. Yeah. yeah. All Danny, of you guys were all together. Danny Morrow was there. Danny Morrow, yep. And uh I brought Juan with me. Um kid from our church. Yeah. I remember Juan. Yeah, and we were uh we were there. He was like your, he was like your, he was like your road dog. Yeah, that was my dude. You know, yeah. uh, church cool. kid. Yeah, he was, he was cool. cool. He was a good yeah. kid. Um, so we did our time. You know, we we were there, and and the next thing you know, I I started I started running a boys' home, um, and got married, brought Priscilla back. We were running the home, and like it was just hell. Like it was just it was yeah. it was great. I mean, we're you know newly married. She got pregnant right away. Was like deathly sick. She had yeah, terrible. but that but that it, is that is that really a shock when you're like Hispanic? Is that really a shock? Like you, you oh. got, she got pregnant right away. Like, ooh. Well, it was like now I don't have to pull out. <laughs> oh, so now that we're officially married, so um, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's what happened. But um, so then we were there for for a bit. We we're running the home, and then we ended up going with your mom's um program. Yeah, she had yeah she had like a like a next level type program. Yeah, well, it was a it was a master's commission, and then that was a whole that was whole drama too. We ended up having my mom ended up having to stop running her version of a master's commission, and because that was something again, that uh, the Barnetts had, right? Master's commission. Yeah, yeah, master's commission was under was under the Barnett with Lloyd Ziegler, and because of like all kinds of drama and like that's a whole another story in and of itself. We could talk about it one day, um, but. And my mom ended up having to um, give up the name and she ended up just doing like her own thing and ended up calling it Elijah Generation. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that was, we were part of that. And um, one of the things that I really, really enjoyed like to this day was like playing music with, with everybody like you, Laniqua, uh, Tim, Timmy on bass, Timmy um, Xavier. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this was like after John Gobb, then I sort of became the drummer. John Gobb was such a yeah. dope drummer. Like, he was just so pocket. He was. Um, one of the best pocket drummers I'd ever, I've ever heard of. My, I, I, to this day, yeah. I, I don't I don't know anybody who plays as pocket as well as he does. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, we just had some great times. Like, I just... Oh, yeah. It was, you know, for like, we would have some great worship sessions and stuff and, and just connecting with other musicians musically and like that was like one of my favorite things oh yeah no i agree i mean i was telling my sister i'm like the one thing like i would have to say that like the one good thing that came out of all of that is probably like the community that we had and then especially being a musician you know and a singer like we had like the dopest and and i'm talking about we we went through different versions of it too like even before you got even before you got there and then when you got there, and then yeah, and then it changed the we, yeah, it changed a couple of times even when I was there, like Allison, exactly, um, like Ryan, yep, 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 Xavier, and then you were there during the Xavier years too, and like right. it's just we just always had like a dope band and dope people, like you just like that was one of the things is that like our worship was so like, and I think it because it came from a very pure 
place. And I, I mean, I still to this day say, and not because I was just a part of it or at one point let it myself, but was that I think that with all the broken people that we had, and and if you think about it, like our program basically from all the different variations that it had over the years were the misfits and the rejects, you know, the, the people that nobody wanted that not even society wanted, not even their own parents sometimes. Family, wanted. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, like I remember overhearing conversation and I'm just like, yo, like that's, a, that's your daughter. That's your son. Like, I yeah. can't believe you're, they're saying stuff like that, you know? Um, but you know, so we were the misfits, the rejects, the outcast, and you put, put us all together and the healing, you know, in spite of all of the weird religious crap, you know, the, the parts that were good and the parts and the healings that there were there, that when we did come together musically, spiritually or whatever, like those moments that people remember that were the best was because we were just being real, right. you know? And yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. What, that's what me and Josh Vi were talking about too. It was like, despite all of the bullshit, like, you know, we can talk about this, you know, we'll get into this next in a little bit of, as far as like, yeah. you know, how we've evolved from all that, but yep. there still was some really, like you're saying, some real genuine, um, experience that we've, we've had, you know what I mean? That, that still, yep. that we still remember to this day. Yep. And it's like, I like to say, like, man, I, I, Sorry, I, I, it's just, it's overwhelming me just thinking about it. I mean, I talk about this all the time with my brother and my sister, but I think to talk about it with you like this, it's like, it's, it's, it's hitting me at another level again and yeah. another uh, way emotionally. But like, I always tell people this because I, and I think too, maybe you, you, you see it, or maybe a lot of people see it is that when people usually see me, they see my dad. And a lot of people used to always think that like, I was just like a robot doing whatever my dad wanted to do. What they didn't know was behind the scenes. I was pitching a fit half the time because I just, I was never that type of person. I just was the type of person. I'm not going to disrespect a leader or, you know, people in like, I just, that's, I'm not going to throw a BF in front of everybody because I don't like certain things that are being done. I just never was like that. And I was never raised to be that way. Um, but, you know, when you have somebody who, I mean, you look at the foundation of it, which is, is my dad, um, came from a, and I'm not excusing anything he did. Cause trust me, nobody, nobody held him more. Nobody tried to hold him, hold him more accountable more than our family did. Mm. But there's only so much you can do when the people around him aren't helping him either because they're benefiting from all the all, all the things that they can get from him, which was basically a salary, free housing, uh, food and insurance. So people weren't weren't ready to rock the boat. You know what I'm saying? Because they didn't. And the only reason why the boat got rocked was because the state came against us. Again, it's a whole nother story. But, <laughs> you know, it, it came from a flawed man who just wanted to help people. And Gab, you know, later on that probably, you know, got twisted and things and life and all kinds of crazy stuff happens, you know, yeah. but the outs, I mean, besides, and again, I'm not excusing the bad, but the reason why the good parts were there was because the intention of what he started 
was pure. Was pure, yeah. Exactly, and yeah. and, if and I anything, believe that. I believe that. Yeah, I, I have to believe it because he's my dad. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, no, and I mean anybody, even even when everything you know came crashing down, I never, um, you know, I never really like said anything about it. You know, what I mean anything negative. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, yeah. I was there. Um, and you know, I did, I was there and when I was there, it was great. I don't have anything negative to say, like, you know, when yeah. everything else came out, but you know, it is what it is. Like, that's part of like, that's part of the, the journey, the experience, like that's just what happened. And, um, yeah. we don't have to get into the details, but it all, it all came, you know, to an end and you guys had to like leave and there was all kinds of crazy stuff. You guys left like the country too for a little bit. Right. Yeah, we actually ended up leaving. Yeah, we ended up moving to Central America. And that was crazy in and of itself because, you know, I remember my dad. At this point, I'm an adult, you know, and my dad's like, you can do whatever you want to do. He said, this is this is what I got to do to protect my wife. He's like, because I'm not really he's like, I'm fine for myself. He's like, but I just I'm, I want to protect my wife and I don't want her to go through this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was like, if you guys want to come, you guys are great. You get, you know, if not, you could stay here. You have everything that you need. You know, he, obviously he's like, you're gonna have to find jobs or that stuff. And I remember like thinking about it and I'm just like, you know, cause at that point in my life I had, I had finally built my, a life for me in Arizona. Yeah. And you have to understand coming bo- like born and raised in Cali and not just anywhere in Cali, but specifically the bay area right and when i i remember i was 13 when my parents were like we're moving to arizona and i was like where's arizona like i didn't go to school or something I'm like what do you mean like what arizona who what, what, what never what? even heard of that the, city. the tea yeah exactly and i remember i went there and i just i never liked the state i just never liked it and i just remember like i hated it too know, when i got there yeah it was hot it was i never i had never felt racism ever in my life yeah. and if i if i was getting racist remarks or comments or looks or whatever i was probably too young in the bay area and too naive or it wasn't blatant because in scottsdale it was blatant right. like i remember right. like hearing slurs or right. saying and i'm just like are, are we back martin luther king like what is going yeah. on like I, is this really happening to me and so for years i was always like planning my exit move to go back to the bay area where you know i grew up with a diverse group of friends you know my friends were asian black white you know and every type of asian you could think of too right. korean japanese i had heavy, Indian friends. He- heavy filipinos in the bay too. Oh man, my Especially my, my noise. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was just I grew up in a very multicultural, multi uh very uh, diverse ethnic, era yeah. too in the yeah, an ethnic in the in the in the Bay Area. Like it was just normal. Like, you know, like I most maybe kids nowadays wouldn't have had jalebi when they were like ten years old. But I remember having jalebi. I remember <laughs> my first having real real ramen when I was like six years old because my Japanese friend from school i went to her house and her mom made us like real ramen you know that was like my first introduction to ramen and so like i remember like i'm i'm never like i ain't gonna live here in arizona and i just remember after years i just like gave up because i was like okay you know i was just like maybe i should just just you know maybe god has me here for a reason or whatnot and so when everything came crashing down i was like I just, I had literally just built a life and now it's all going to crap because 
you know, on top of that, I mean, who didn't know us in the state of Arizona at this point, you know? And so I think part of my decision was of going was partly because I just didn't want to have to deal with all the crap of, I already knew what people were going to say, you know? Right. And I didn't want to have to deal with people, you know, like, oh, well, you're Bob's daughter, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and it didn't matter what church I, I knew, like, no matter what church I would go to, something was going to come up. Somebody was going to know something. And I just didn't have the time. I didn't have the time to or the energy to want to deal with that anymore. And we went over there and um, rediscovered to like my dad said of the family, because the last time I had been there, I was like seven. And, you know, felt so much love. In, in, uh, in Nicaragua? Yeah, Nicaragua. And, and then while we were there, because, you know, we weren't going to church, you know, and it was like, I'm not going to, I don't, who am I going to listen to online? Like, I'm not listening to Joel Osteen. No offense to Joel Osteen. And anybody who listens to Joel Osteen, it's just like, he just was not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You know, and T.D. Jakes is cool, but it's like, you know... I don't know. I, I feel like for someone like me, when you've been born and raised in church your whole entire life, and I grew up with these ministers and hearing them often, like TD used to come to Phoenix first all the time. Right. You know, uh, you heard, was it, um, oh, what was that one dude back in the, in the, in the early 2000s? He was from Texas. I can never remember his name, but he was, a, he was a big minister too. Uh, Ted Haggard. Um, who else? Jeannie Mayo. Um, was it John? Oh, no. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. He was this black dude. I think who used to be a football player or was a chaplain for the Green Bay Packers or something. Reggie White? His name was, no, not Reggie White. (laughs) No, his name was Reggie something. Oh, Reggie Dobbs. Reggie Dobbs. Uh That's who it was. Wow. Um, you know, like I just, there wasn't like a minister I didn't know or hadn't met. And you're talking about, and again, from every denomination you can think of from the evangelical non-denominational and then the newly, the newly formed apostolic denomination that was coming out with John Kelly and, you know, John Eckhart Eckhart and, and Peter Wagner and Cindy Jacobs. Like these were people like. I knew like we would hang out. We would talk for hours. You know, my dad would be in the green room with them. You know, mm-hmm. like Peter Wagner was like, thought my brother was like the coolest little guy he'd ever met, you know, <laughs> just like, you know, like stuff like that. So it was just like, you know, who, who am I going to listen to that? I have everybody heard what they had to say. I'm like, at this when, point, when did uh-huh. your beliefs start to get, when did you start to question a lot of your beliefs? Um, I believe I want to say when we had finally when we find we had moved to Florida, we left uh, Central America, moved to Florida. And it, the funny thing was we had I had been listening to Creflo and my dad was the one who the one who kind of like started getting on him. And I'm just like, I didn't want to listen to him because I'm like, I just don't want to listen to any preaching at all. Mm-hmm. And I've always been that way. I've always been stubborn, always been hard headed. Like it's not e- it's not easy to move me, um. And so I remember I started listening to Creflo, like you know, basically grudgingly, <laughs> um. And I remember the way that he began to explain God's grace was like, what? I have never heard this. I mean, literally, when I say I've never heard this, I had never the way he was preaching it, I had never heard it before. And you have to just remember. I'm Carla Torres, virgin, never kissed a guy, 
never drank alcohol, never smoked, and I'm 35 and still the same Carla Torres. I, I was gonna say, yes. did, did did anybody? Are you still? Are yes, you still I'm waiting? only. Bro, nobody's, bro, nobody's, I, nobody's nobody's hit that. Yet. No, nobody's hit nothing. Nothing. The closest thing that's ever gone to, to hitting Carla is a, probably a sock, a face to, I mean, a punch to my face when I was like 14. <laughs> you know, been hit in the face a few times when I was younger, but you know, that's about it. Like, oh, and I, I, I also make jokes like how, like, I was like, I would tell people, like, yeah, you know, the only action I've ever gotten was holding you guys' hand in a prayer circle at church. <laughs> Cause it's so true. Not that I was like filling up on dudes like and rubbing their hands because like I was grossed out by most guys anyways. Yeah. Not because like I'm not attracted to men. It's just that like like it doesn't matter even exterior like how like hot a guy may be, and right. it's like you you see past that. Yeah, like I'm like if you don't have any brains, and on top of it, like I can I can see a shallow guy from like a mile away. Like right. I'm not gonna be that type of woman. Like I've always been, I like ambitious. I want to have leadership, you know. And like for most guys, that like basically like shrinks their dicks. So it's like sorry, like I'm <laughs> sorry I'm too masculine for you. I don't know what the fuck that is, you know. Like okay. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I guess it messes up some dudes. They can't handle all of this woman, I guess. But, um, yeah, like, so nothing, you know, nothing, of- nothing. No, no, uh, bro, I've, I've gone on two dates, yeah. two dates, and I was like, yeah, this isn't gonna, like, literally that same night, I was like, this isn't gonna work. And I'm, Maybe and when just- I mean two dates, we went to freaking over here in Florida. It's like the, our version of like a Shake Shack is called Burger Fi. Went to Burger Fi, so it's not like a lot of money was, was spent. Went to like, and then the Wait, other one was you like, you don't even eat meat though. No, but they have a veggie burger. Dude. Oh, okay, like okay. we live in, come on, we live in the vegan days where yeah, like yeah. they have veggie burgers now everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I go to Shake Shack. I haven't seen a veggie burger. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm not looking for it. <laughs> yeah. No. And then the funny thing was the second date I went on. Well, the first date I went on. Which most people, well, most people out here on the East Coast, tell me I was like, yeah, I went out, went out with a Dominican guy, and they're like, yeah, that was your problem right there. I was like, what? <laughs> and no, and the funny thing was, I was set up by his aunt who was coming to do my health insurance paperwork, and she's like, I really think you'd be really great for for my nephew, and she's like, would you be open to meeting him? And I'm like, sure, why not? So we talked on the phone. I happened to be driving out to Miami like in two weeks, met up with him, and then yeah, it just didn't work out. Um, and then the second guy, I was shopping at Sam's club and, um, I had just gone out from working. Like I had just gotten back from working out, but I needed to go shopping and some dude who was selling, you know, internet, you know, they sell like at Costco and that they're selling phones and stuff. And he just like, he's like, Hey, do you have this service? I was like, yeah, I was like, you're selling to the wrong person because I already have it. And then he was like, whatever, you know, cool, cool. And he started striking up conversation and I'm always good for conversation. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll talk to you. And then next, you know, he's just like, you know what? He's like, wow, I'm really impressed by like, you know, what you're saying. And wow, you're like, like, I've never met a girl like you. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, is this really happening? Yeah. I'm like, is this really (laughs) happening? Like a guy is actually interested in like the things that I'm saying, like what the heck? But then at the same time, I'm always like super skeptical. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. Like, always sure. like leery, like okay, but what, what what are you really trying to get at? <laughs> exactly. And then um, he was like, "Hey, would you be open to going on a date?" And I'm like, at this point in my life, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, you know, because apparently all my friends were telling me like, you can't be so hard headed. Don't don't try to tell 
Um, like, don't be so picky. Don't tell guys everything about you. Like when you meet them. So I stopped doing that. Like I just started trying to play coy, which my version of playing coy and flirty is God. It's probably like sad. <laughs> it's probably listening like to cats, like singing in an alleyway. That's probably what I look like flirting. That's how bad it is. <laughs> and so he's like, you know, let's, would you be open to going on a date? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like, okay, I got to stop being picky and I got to be more open. So like, whatever, I got all these voices of my family and friends in the back of my head. So um, went to, we went to, you know, so a, d- a decent restaurant in downtown Orlando and next thing you know, like we're talking and then I just was like, I, I forgot what I, I said something and I was just like, yeah, I, you know, I just, I, you know, it's been, I've had a you know long life been through a lot or whatever. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, how old are you? He's like, you're only like in your twenties, aren't you? And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, I'm 32. He was like, what? He's like, you don't even look 32. And I was like, yeah, I know. I don't look my age. I've never looked my age. And I was like, how old are you? (laughs) He was 23. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, my God, this is the craziest thing. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to be open because apparently guys my age, my dad used to tell me when guys become 30, they'll be real men. And then I went when I went out and I've talked to a few guys and then went out on one date with one guy who was he was 36 at the time. I was like, they're all the same. Guys are still dogs and idiots. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? So I was like, I like, what are my chances with the maybe a younger guy is not as like retarded? Maybe <laughs> these millennials are like better. I don't know. Like, it doesn't hurt to try. So I was like, actually, we had a really good conversation. I was like, man, like this, like, okay, like, hey, I'm open to it. Sure. This may work out. Until he opened up his mouth at the end of the conversation. He was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I, I should probably get going too. He's like, it's getting late. I was like, yeah, I feel you. I got to, you know, I got to get up early. I got work and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I got to go to court tomorrow. And I was like, oh, well, like, I'm not even judging at yeah. this point. I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, hey, it could be ticket. It could be for whatever. I don't care. Um, And he was like, yeah, he's like, um, he was like, I got to gotta, gotta go to court for like, uh, uh, it was a car uh, possession ticket for marijuana, and I forgot something about something else for the car. I think the headlight or something was out or insurance. And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "It's not as bad as it sounds." He's like, "You know, I was driving my friend's car. My friend was in the passenger seat, and we got pulled over by a cop. And I didn't know he had weed, and he didn't tell me he had weed in the car. And he put it, he like pinned it on me, and like it was my fault." I was like, "Oh." Red flag all day long. Like one, you're irresponsible. Two, you the kind of people you're hanging around with, letting your like your friends would do that to you and wouldn't care. Like I was like, no, homie, this ain't gonna work. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I but I told him nicely. Like I, in the past, I mean, I think you knew me. Is weed pretty well. illegal still over there in Florida? Yeah, it's oh. yeah, it's it's only it's only legal medicinally. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is going to shock everybody. Well, whoever depends on who's listening, but I don't know. I guess I've always been pretty shocking and crazy anyways, but I did vote for <laughs> for weed to be legal in Florida medicinally and recreationally. I per- personally believe that it should be because I don't see why not. And we're locking up people for no good reason, especially minorities, right. for 10 years over very small possession of marijuana. A and freaking plant. <laughs> Exactly, and we, I just all, did a whole episode on cannabis of 
dude, no, I listened to it. It was it was awesome. Yeah. I I'm like I was right there with you guys. I mean, even though I yes, I don't do weed because I just I I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the the lifestyle I grew up. And again, like I don't even drink alcohol, but that's just because I just I think I've seen the extremes of it. I don't I don't want to touch it. And then on top of it, I know me and I've always been kind of an extreme person. Mm. And I don't I I could see myself end up using them um, or should say abusing them in ways that it shouldn't. You know, like some people can drink alcohol and totally be fine. Some people drink alcohol and they completely abuse it. And alcohol is not bad. It's just how you use it. And, you know, I just don't, I don't want to put myself in that position that, you know. um, To where you could um, possibly, uh, maybe you might have like an addictive personality. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't want to take that chance, you know. And then on top of it, I don't know what you, like using a substance if I'm not, you know, I mean, I know people too now, now microdose and stuff like that, but I just, again, like you said, the addictive personality. And then I don't know what will come out because the, my life experience and then the trauma that I've seen over the years, Yeah, like, I don't know what that's going to pull out. And, you know, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still healing myself from a lot of it, yeah. you know, and I'm just like, Hey, you know, like, let's just do it the natural way, you know, like very, maybe we'll get there. 20 years from now i don't know and maybe i'll try alcohol and maybe i don't know maybe smoke a hit or something i don't know but like (laughs) but or take a hit or whatever but like you know like as of right now like i'm just i'm just you know chilling you're good just chilling yeah Yeah, i'm good good. i mean you don't need you don't need to it's not like oh okay like oh i'm I'm not ultra religious anymore i need to smoke weed and drink it that's not the point i have been i have been in I, i probably if anything and i probably already have like had secondhand like high because i've been yeah because i've been in studios especially ever since especially since you know i left arizona because now you know my life is very different and have been in studios with musicians and artists and stuff like that where like it's like i'm I'm, i promise you i'm using my fingers to pull the smokes the, I mean, the pull back the veils of smoke just to get my way. And I'm yeah. just like, dude, I didn't know it could be this thick. Like, I knew about hotboxing, but this is a whole other level of hotboxing. I did not understand. And That's... I just remember, like, the few times that happened, I was, like, passed out. I was like, out. I couldn't even stay awake. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't even stay awake in the studio session. But I wasn't like, don't smoke in front of me. Like, oh, right. my gosh. Like, you're bad. I don't care. Like, you drink. People, if anything, I'm like, I'd rather have you guys do that in front of me because then you know, I'll drive you home. I'll do right. it. You know, I'll keep you guys safe. Make sure nobody does some weird stuff to you. You know? That's cool. So, so yeah. you you um sent me a clip of you and Tina and and Bobby um just, just having a conversation about stuff that, you guys were um, talking about um, just like a new consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's a, I, that's probably the best way to word it or the words maybe at the, at the moment, because it probably may change, you know, weeks from now, even months from now or whatnot, as we continue to evolve and be better. Um, but yeah, a new level of consciousness, and um, I Cause, guess cause kind of I think back- you and I, I think we we found ourselves in this new freedom, like this new liberation, this new, um, this new, th- I don't know, this new thing. Like, I feel so much better that I let go of all of that, you know. Like, uh, 
Like for me, it was like the need to like know everything or the, the or to have an answer or like something from the Bible. Like, oh, well, this means this, this means that. And yeah. Like I let go of all that and embrace like my doubt and really just surrender to the not knowing and, right. and how big the universe is and how big God is and like, you know, and how, how much of his grace and love is like never ending, like literally, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I think we've, we, you and I've had conversations like that. So tell me about that. Yeah. Like, what's that new consciousness that you're, you guys are, or you're on now? Well, I, I mean, cause when I, to... when, when I first connected, I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you out, but when I first no, no, connected like, again with you guys, I had like a three hour conversation with your dad and yeah. it was like everything. We were just like, boom, but just talking about everything. You know, it just, it was like three hours just flew by and, yeah. um, and then that's when we connected and you came down and then we had some conversation. It was just, it was just great to like connect with somebody who's, you know, all of our trauma, all of our life experience, all the things we've yep. been through and the, growing up in church. And it just, it's crazy how we ended up sort of in that same area, that same space of letting go of all of that religiousness, but still loving um, God in like a new way it's 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 weird i stopped going to church like me too like for like three or four years probably even longer than that but um i've recently gone back to church and i love it like i i feel so good going back to church granted i go to like uh you know an um a, an affirming church an inclusive church right ultra like progressive so i guess that's just sort of where i'm at now um but i love it it's just it's 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 new like we, it's, it's, we do, they do the lectionary. So it's like just following the, the, the text that, um, the weekly text from, you know, yeah. from, from the, from the early church fathers and stuff like that. And it's just communion every week. And it's just so simple. And it's not like a preacher up there preaching for an hour telling me his, you know, whatever he thinks about what the text means. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, man, this whole new you know, place that, you know, that I'm at when it comes to spirituality and God. Um, and I was, I'm very, uh, very, uh, what's the word calculated and not using the word religion because I do not subscribe to religion. Neither am I part of religion anymore. And, um, the only thing I want to do with religion is basically to, you know, people who want to be set free from that mindset, like, Hey, I'm here for you, you know, but like religion can't be reformed and Christianity can't be reformed. Catholicism can't be reformed. None of that stuff can be reformed. Any, anything that has to do with rules, regulations, it has to be done this way. These are the boundaries that everybody has to live for. It's not, it's never going to work. It's always going to fail. And some people will be able to, um, live that way because they can live within those, those set confines and boundaries, but the rest of the world cannot. Mm. Um, and even though I was basically the poster child for Christianity and being a virgin and having passion for Jesus and, yeah. you know, my whole life was God and I was very passionate about that and help people and all of that stuff. I mean, I, I mean, if you think about it, I was very much everything that you, 
I was the, I was, I was the example for that. Right. right. You know, and, and I, in a sense, I mean, it almost sounds crazy to say, because people would probably be like, well, you know what? Well, no one's perfect. Well, when it came to Christianity, I was pretty dang perfect Yeah. because, and not because I was, I wanted to be perfect. It's because from what I got from religion was that if I did these things, I could be better. And most people, unless you really, really knew me, like, um, only a few people knew, like my aunt, my family, obviously, um, Allison, because her and I were close for many years. Like I de- dealt with like severe depression mm. and like emotional, like, I mean, just years. I mean, there was times, I mean, um, like where I'd be in my room in the dark, you know, with the lights off. And <laughs> you just weren't, you weren't, tears. you weren't praying hard enough. Oh, and I'm telling you, that's part of, that was part of my thing. It was like, how much more can I pray? How much more can I read when people were, well, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff that we were told, right? Like, oh, you're not, you're not pressing in hard enough or yeah. And I wasn't sin in your life or yeah. And I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't doing it in a sense of like, cause I want to be more spiritual. I I didn't want to be more spiritual. What I wanted to be was better. And I wanted to be whole. I wanted to be healed. Hmm. I wanted I, I wanted to be not, I didn't want to be broken anymore. And I felt for, for many years I was broken, like something was wrong with me. And if I could just do all these things, I could be whole, like the woman who had the issue of blood, like blind, blind Bartimaeus who, you know, was able now to see, or like the leper who came back and was healed and he was, his whole body was destroyed. I wanted to be whole. I wanted, but it, 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 again, like, you know, like we just said, it was like Christianity said, you had to read more, pray more. And I genuinely did those things at home. And because I thought it was going to help me. Mm. And I did it from that, that, that's where the, the, that place where it came from. So when people saw me at church, when people saw me around, or even when we would hang out and just kind of how I was always very like, you know, if people push the envelope, I was ready to put every push everyone back in because I thought that if I did all those things right, I would I would just be I would just be normal. Mm-hmm. I would just be healed and whole. And then I realized, no matter how hard I was praying, no matter how much scripture I was reading, no matter how much studying I was doing, I wasn't gonna that I still wasn't whole. I was still dealing with the same things I was dealing with. And you know, like I said, a few people, only a few people, really knew how deep or dark my depression was. I mean, and Allison was there for a lot of it because we'd be in the room. She'd be in my room with me for hours. And I just, I wouldn't, I didn't want anything to do with anybody. My mom would be like, come on, let's go. We're going to go bowling with everybody or we're going to go, you know, to a restaurant and we're going to your, or or sometimes she would try to bribe me with like, we're going to your favorite place. And I'd be like, I'm not going, I'm staying home. Mm. And I would just be like, I mean, in crazy anguish that, the funny thing was, or I shouldn't, I don't know if it was funny, but whatever, I guess looking back on it on now, I can kind of make light of it. But when, I don't know if you recall, uh, we started God's favorite house and we were in the house mm-hmm. before we moved to the, to the church over at the, at the Scottsdale executive airport, the room that I used in, um, ended up well, they knocked down Bobby's room and then that room in the back, it ended up becoming like a kid's kids church. And right. then it was like half school, half whatever. And my brother was telling me that when he remembers that when we moved everything out of my room to make way for the church and the school, 
that he found really dark writings in my closet and of like death and suicide and things. Um, and I did, I was like, Oh my gosh, I vaguely remember that because there are some time, there were times in my life where I would get, it would become so intense that like, I think I would just black out and I just don't quite always remember what was going on. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't remember. And they ended up painting over it because it was some pretty dark stuff, you know, (laughs) but again, no one really knew what was going on inside. I was, I was really good at hiding. Yeah, I'd hide. You, you, know? you you always seem like so tough too. You yeah, know? I mean, I I I had to be yeah. because I I didn't I, I um I didn't have much in life and there the little that I did I had to keep it close and then on top of it I just I think at that point especially too by the time you met me um I just had been through too much and I just was like I'm tired I'm tired of like being weak. I don't want to be weak anymore. So like, unless it was like That's some like crazy because of, yeah, yeah. Cause that, that wasn't the perception like what that I saw of you. Like I saw you as more of like the ultimate warrior, you know what I mean? Like yeah, somebody that we could count on to like be strong or like, you know, say the right thing or, you know, lead us in worship or prayer, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like if we didn't have anything else to do or say, like you would, you would be that person to, all right, you know, we're going to do this or, you know what I mean? Or or we're going to take it up another notch or whatever it was. Yeah. And I think, and even in the music too. Yeah. And I, and I, I was telling my sister this a few weeks ago. I said, the reason why a lot of people like, you know, cause I've had a lot of people over the years tell me like, man, when you sing, it's, it's like, at a, it's, it's something else. And, you know, they're like, it's pure. A lot of times they say it's pure. They, a lot of times they say, um, it's peaceful or it's healing. And I tell them, I said, that's because I said, it's not because I was doing everything right. I was like, you had I don't, so much I pain. Exactly. Yeah. And when to be able to come from that place and then knowing what people were going through. And then again, even my whole life, having seen all the stuff that people have gone through, it was easy for me to, to, it was very easily for me to empathize mm. with that pain, even though I may not have yeah. gone through. Never done uh, a drug, you know, never done. Yeah. But you were able never to. Never been through heartbreak yeah. or sexual abuse or any of that. You know what I'm saying? I, but I can, un- the pain was familiar and that I knew, I knew how to relate to. And, and I think that that is what kept me in Christianity for so long was because the teachings of Jesus specific. Mm. I'm not talking about the teachings of the apostles. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the, the few chapters in the Bible that really talks about Jesus's ministry. He understood the hurting and the brokenhearted. And, you know, we even, that's when my, when my mom changed her um, college ministry from master's commission to Elijah generation, she based it off Isaiah 61, where, where Jesus repeats the words of Isaiah. And he says, you know, um, how he's come to heal the broken heart. He's come, no, he's come to, uh, yeah. Liberate the captives. Captives. Yeah. You know, um, and all of that. And, and that's what, that is what I've always, I've always connected with because I understood, um, that pain. I always understood, you know, all of that. And so it was easy, 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 very easily for me to connect, especially in worship with those things, you know, it's even to this day, it's something that, you know, is part of who I am. It is hard 
to like, now it's kind of hard sometimes in a sense to worship because some of the theology of the songs, like, it's just like, it's, it's like, you know, it's all about, yeah. And it's like, it's all about you and not about me. And I'm just like, eh, what, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I, and the funny thing, the crazy thing was a few years ago, I was mentoring, mentoring a young girl who, um, who basically her parents were like, we don't want our daughter to be gay. And I'm like, I'm not going like, <laughs> I, I can't pray the gay away. Like, you know, this is, this is not going to happen. What I can do is I can show her love. And, um, I remember one day we were in, we were up in Tampa and, you know, I had never, I never, and this was obviously too now past, you know, leaving teen reach, spare life, all of that stuff. And, you know, now come to a different place in life and inclusion and acceptance of all, all types of people and what they believe for themselves. And I remember speak, we were at an IHOP and, and I just, you know, was like, Hey, and she was like, what? And I was like, well, I said, there's a story that's just coming to my mind. I said, for whatever reason, I just feel like I need to tell you. And I said, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the parable of the, the merchant and the great pearl. And she said, no. And I said, well, there's this, you know, parable. There's a story that Jesus talks about in the Bible where he says that the merchant goes and he sells everything that he has so that he can, um, you know, buy this field where this great pearl is and he can have that pearl. And I said, my whole Christian life, I always, and it was crazy because I'm like, literally was getting this revelation as I was speaking. So I wasn't even me. I was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I even saying? What is going on? It was like a weird kind of like in and out of body experience. And I remember telling her, I was like, um, you know, my whole life, I was like, I always understood that, that parable as, you know, that we were the great, that we as sinners are the great, you know, the great merchant that we give up everything and only to gain the greatest thing, which is the treasure of who Christ is. And I said, I don't think that was the meaning of the parable. I said, the meaning of the parable, um, I believe is that God finds us each worthy enough and value enough, Mm -hmm. even though we don't find value in and of ourselves that he sees us as a pearl and we both are just in tears at this point. The waiter is like, what is going on? And I'm just, we're just like, Oh my God. Cause for the first, you know, for, and this was only, this is one of many encounters since I left Arizona that I really begin to understand what God's love is Mm. and what that meant for me and what that meant for other people. And I found, and as much as I've always cared and loved for other people, and I think a lot of people knew, I think a lot of people knew that growing up. I mean, I've always been very like caring and understanding minus the few times I was like a straight jerk. And (laughs) I totally own up to that because there was, and mostly that was towards guys. But then there were, there was, there was like maybe like two or three girls that I ever was like, screw you because like you didn't push me far enough. You know, like it takes a lot for me to get there, but you know, certain people pushed me to that point to where like my ugliness came out, you know, but in general, I've always had a very caring and open heart for people and wanting to help people because that's how I was raised. That's all I saw. My parents would give everything to help if even if it was just one person, you know, um, and I remember like thinking like, wow, like 
as I begin to understand God's love for me, I begin to like my love for people even grew at another place that I didn't even comprehend. Mm. Like I started really seeing people at a different level of compassion and understanding that it's almost crazy how much now I can tolerate, how much crap I can tolerate from people. Because I realized that a lot of the times when anger and all these people release all these things, it really, it's not that they're trying to be that way. It's just, these are people who lack um, skill in communication because of trauma. They lack um, a safe place to let go of those emotions and different things like that. And because of it, I have seen myself be able to deal with those people and then see them change because I, it all started with knowing that like I'm worth it because Mm. for so many years, like you said, even though I was like the warrior and you know, I would come off with this confidence, but trust me, it wasn't real confidence. It wasn't real security. I was very insecure. I was very, you know, unconfident of a lot of who I was and a lot of everything was a show because I just, I didn't, if I, if I, if I showed any sign of weakness, then I was going to get eaten up alive. So I was like, I can't, I can't show weakness. And very few people saw that um, weakness in me, you know, and those were people who I, who I trusted, who knew, who I, who wouldn't hurt me because even as a kid, I had been hurt so much that I just, I wasn't willing to risk that again as I got older. But, but as I, you know, like I was saying earlier, I started understanding this grace and really, again, it started to started with Creflo. I don't watch Creflo or listen to Creflo anymore, but he's, he, he's, he did provide a foundation that, um, honestly, if I ever were to meet him, I'm going to tell him like, dude, I'm super grateful because, um, he showed me something I'd never seen before. I don't know what he's doing now. And I don't, I know, I think he was like at one point, like trying to get his people to like tithe into a private plane for him or something. I don't know. Some crazy crap. But, um, I remember one thing that he said that really hit me was he said, you know, he said, have you guys ever, you know, he was talking to his congregation said, have you, have you ever heard of the Autobahn? You know, and, and most people who aren't, you know, cultured, and I don't say that in a demeaning way, but people who haven't been, around the world or haven't been outside of the world, it's sometimes hard to understand how other people live or cultures are. And I've been fortunate enough to have that experience. And, um, and he was like, yeah, you know, cause the Autobahn, you can go as fast as you want. And it doesn't matter. Nobody, if you go, if you go a hundred miles, you go 50 miles, you're not going to get pulled over. You're right. just, you know, Isn't you're going to, you can go as in fast. Germany, right? The, the highway. Yeah. It's in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. The Autobahn. And Germany's awesome, by the way. I've been there. Um, it's a beautiful place. <clears throat> and that's where Fanta came from, by the way. Not from Mexico. It's a German soda. Okay. Just because it sounds Fanta. Mexican. Yeah. Fanta. <laughs> it actually comes from the word like Fantasia, which is a German word. Oh, wow. And they shortened it to Fantas, whatever. Anyways, I'm not going to bore everybody with my history <laughs> lesson over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so he was talking about that. And then he says, you know. He says, but here in America, he says, if you think about it, if, you know, if a speed limit says 65 and you go over 65, he says, why is it that you are given a ticket? He says, because you're breaking the law, right? Mm. And he said, but 
if the speed limit wasn't there, would it even really matter? Mm. And I was like, well, it wouldn't. And I was like, you're right. And so he started breaking it down, like basically how like Pharisees and the religion and the law all created that the speed created limit. The, the speed limit. And if you broke the speed limit, then you were screwed. And he was like, well, that's what Jesus came to do. And I was like, stop, hold the phone. What the <laughs> heck? Like, hold on, hold on. I mean, I, you don't even know. I went through, through four months of literally inner turmoil, turmoil where to the point where I was like, I'm just going to go to hell because I just don't believe God loves me. I'm mm. like, literally I was saying this stuff out loud. I was like, I'm just going to go to hell because screw it. Forget about it. Everything I've done for the last, at that point, I think it was like the last 27 years, it's all been shit. Mm. You know, like, I'm just like, well, whatever. You know, I mean, I was like, it was bad. And, and he was saying, well, God's love is the same way. Mm. He says, at the end of the day, he said, people are, he says, you can't take advantage of grace if grace has been given freely to you. And he says, if people do take advantage of it, that's their problem, not yours. And God doesn't even care. I was like, whoa, what is this dude saying? Because it's true. Because it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much love you show somebody. If they're going to, if someone is going to abuse it, they're going to abuse it, whether you put a speed limit on it or not, because they're going to break the law. So you might as well just remove the law and let them, let them use it freely because the chances of somebody being able to take advantage of love freely is going to be better than constantly putting this, well, you're, you're worthless. You're never going to make it. You're going right. to hell. You're a sinner, all this stuff. So now you're even making it 10 times as worse. And I love, um, I think even too, was Andrew, Andrew Yang, who, who was running for the presidential election. Mm-hmm. He was giving like families a thousand dollars a month. month. Yeah. Universal right, basic tra- income. Exactly. And I loved, cause they were talking about it. They were saying that Everybody that they gave money to, they did the the follow-up research on it. They said surprisingly, they were because they were thinking, oh, well, people are gonna use it for their own for their own use. They're gonna right. use it for entertainment, they're gonna do whatever, you know, they're basically gonna abuse the money they were given. Right. And the research actually said the opposite. Right. The research said that they used it to pay their their debt off. They used it to for food, for rent, for clothing, and because of it, they were able act, they were actually able to live healthier and happier lives, and were able to save. And I was like, see, there, there's always going to be people that are gonna always mess, screw up the system. Period. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. And I think that's, I believe that's how grace is, and God understands that. At this point, He already knows someone's always going to screw it up. Adam and Eve did it; they screwed it up. Or whatever, you know. So at this point, he's like, I can't have any boundaries. I can't. If we do this, we're going to keep repeating the same thing over and over again, getting the what. Or we're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, only getting the same dumb results. Mm -hmm. So we've got to change the whole entire system. And the system of just letting everybody, in a sense, to govern themselves and understand grace and love for themselves, that there is actually a greater percentage of people who will actually do the right thing as opposed to people who will do the wrong. But because religion is so focused on everybody who is doing all the wrong, then what's happening is you're missing all the masses of the people who need the freedom, who need the free grace, the free love to be whole, to be healed, to move forward, 
to have better lives. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree with that. Like it's, it's, we start our starting places wrong, right? We start at Correct. Genesis three where it's all bad and it goes wrong instead of starting at Genesis one, when we, when we were, everything was good. We were created and everything was, we were good. Not yep. only good, very good. Right. Yep. We Dude, need to it was get, awesome. we need to No, but that's the point is like, we, our theology is so screwed up. It's like total depravity. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Oh, you're just a, a wretched sinner, like disgusting, and you know yep. what I mean. And like, no, you you were made in God's image. Like, yep. you're good. And and honestly, in in talking about Genesis, like you're saying, um, I believe that the it started, like you said, it started off perfect. But when you go back to the story, and God said, like, hey, like, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of life. I don't necessarily say I I don't I don't think he was necessarily saying like if you do it you're going to be like screwed forever. Um because when he told them like just don't eat of it, it's almost kind of like for some people like I was saying earlier, like you know, you probably shouldn't do alcohol because you're probably not going it's not going to be healthy for you. You know, for some people it might be like oh hey, some other people it's not good for you to, you know, maybe I don't know whatever it is, like, whatever you, you fill in the yeah, blank for whatever yeah. it is for your life. But it wasn't until the serpent came, which I'm like, I like to call AKA religion mm. came and be like, well, you know, if you eat of this, then this is what's going to happen to you. And you, and all of a sudden it was like, what the heck? Like all of a sudden they're hearing something completely different. And when you break, even break down the story, when God came down to the garden he didn't say like, yo, like immediately they should have died immediately. Like st something should have happened. Right. But no, God was like, Hey, like, yo, Adam and Eve, where are you? Like, I'm here. Like it's our, this is our ticket time. You know, like this is what we do every day. Like, where are you at? And they're like, Oh, well, we're hiding. And then he's like, well, okay, well, why are you hiding? And if he's God and he told you not to do it, why is he even asking dumb questions like that? Yeah. If he's God, like, let's just be real. If we're going to, yeah, if yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about the God that Christianity talks about, Right. And he's going to convict you and all this stuff. Then why wasn't he convicting Adam and Eve? No, because he at that he didn't really care. Honestly, I don't think what he did care about is the relationship. He didn't care about what they did. He cared about the relationship. And you see that because he asked a question, where are you? Well, we're hiding. He said, well, why are you hiding? He said, they said, because we're naked. And then he says, the, which I like yeah. to call the third question. He, I called it was it's called the identity question. He says, who told you right. you were naked? So even after they did what they did, God still didn't see them as naked. God still didn't see them as sinners. God said, wait, 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 who told you you had messed up? Who told you you had did wrong? And then they were like, well, you know, Eve gave me the fruit. And then Eve was like, oh, the serpent, you know, gave me and lied and tricked me. And like, here we are. And so at that point, because they had forgot who they were, mm. because they no longer believed who they were and the worst that they were because they were believing the lie that they now had to, you know, that they had, their eyes were opened, that they were dead because they ate of the fruit or whatever, that they could no longer have relationship with God because they no longer believed, not because they ate of the fruit. That's just my personal opinion. Right. Take wow. whatever theology scholars you want with that. But I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's like you, and I guess my my proof to that, because we could argue theology and debate theology all day long, but at the end of the day, there's only so much that theology is going to get get 
you know, get, get you as theology is not going to change anybody's life. It's, it's love that's going to change somebody's life. And that's why I like to say that whatever you tell people, whether it's in a story form, whatever you're talking, whatever it may be, if it doesn't begin at the cross and end at the cross, then it's worthless. And what is the cross is that God gave everything up so that you could have an amazing life. He did not come to condemn you. He did not come to tell you all the things that you were doing wrong. He didn't come like the serpent, like Adam and Eve, who were saying like, oh, whatever. Like, no, he wasn't trying to condemn them for what they did. He wants us to believe who we are, hmm. you know? And if the whole point of him dying on the cross was so that all of our sins could be removed and he doesn't bring them up anymore, why do we keep harping on that crap, wow. you know? So, yeah. And so it's like you got to start believing who you are and not who you think or, or the things that you do. So you aren't, you're, you aren't what you do. You are what you believe, mm. you know, right. and you, you're the things that you do will begin to change based on how you start to think about life. And it takes, it takes time. And sometimes there's a transition period and you kind of whatever, you know, but it doesn't matter. Everyone's journey is, is, you know, is their journey. And some people take a little longer than others. And, you know, I look at somebody like Justin Bieber and man, I feel for that kid. And I honestly think the worst thing that's ever happening to him is being associated with Hillsong um, because it's the, it's the same religion bullshit, yeah. you know? And ju I see Justin Bieber as a young man who is constantly going to have kind of like that playful, foolish spirit, you know, about him. Mm -hmm. But that's just who he is. I don't think we should knock him for that. I don't think – I think what's going to happen is that religion – is going to stifle that in him because he's got to be a man now and he's got to grow up right. as opposed to being who God has created you to be. And guess what? There, you can make choices. So some, there are times where your playful, foolish young man is going to be great. And then there's other times where maybe it's not conducive to the environment. So, or conducive to the, yeah, to the environment or the people that are around you. So just at that moment, just make a choice not to do it, but don't stifle that. And I think that religion is personally stifling who God has created him to be. And I think that give it another, however many, maybe five years, we're going to see him go through another mental breakdown because of it. Wow. Yeah, he seems so vulnerable even now, right? Like I, oh, I think I think I just seen him the other day. He started crying about talking about um, yeah. Billie Eilish. Like he, yep. he, he, like he doesn't want her to go through like just all the bullshit he had to go through just being a child star or yep. something like that. Yep. And you he you even hear how he talks. I mean, because I, I I'm pretty sure you were talking about that Zane Lowe um, Beats One interview. I didn't I didn't hear it. Yeah, I just saw like a clip of it. Oh, oh okay. You saw you saw. Okay, I listened to that whole interview. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that not only has the world taken away, um, his youthfulness, <clears throat> but now the church is wrapping it in a package of, well, you got to grow up, you got to be a man. And he keeps, he keeps reiterating those same words. Well, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I found religion or he doesn't really say I found religion, but more he says faith and Jesus, but that's because churches like Hillsong yeah. are putting up a, a facade of like, Oh, it's like freedom and we're inclusive, but let's just be real. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Um, it's just a way to get people into the church and maybe some people are genuine about it just like we were back in the right. day. But at the core 
of it's that. A, it's too. a thriving business. <laughs> exactly. And, and they say that they're not, they're not benefiting from his, and you can tell even on social media, they're not trying to jump on his, um, his media wave, but they have, they've already made a lot of money off him and even Selena Gomez, who is part of, I know Hillsongs and stuff like that too. Um, you know, like they've, they, they're already doing pretty good and, and they are now making a stamp in Hollywood with this new brand of Christianity that again, to me, it's just, it's just packaged differently. It's just worded differently, but the me- the message is still the same right. because if he were to slip up and he were to do something like you know they're going to they're going to kindly with holy you know conviction you know let him know hey you shouldn't be doing that you know and it's like that's just because it it goes against their image and it goes against what the rules of christianity are as opposed to and let him let him let him have fun. He needs to have fun. He's always been a kid. I remember when I saw him, I knew I was he never like, really kid. had a chance to be a kid, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Kid. I'm like he was a little prankster. But the funny the crazy thing is that's what made him famous. Even I, I mean, I was like an adult when he came out, you know, but I loved his music and I'm my brother, the funny thing was um Bobby was the one who got me on Justin Bieber and he found him on YouTube. And there was we only had he only had at the time like a thousand subscribers. So I like to say we were real, like, you know, Bieber fans. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were there before anyone else was. Um, it was only like us and like you know, 998 other people. <laughs> um, and I just remember like just this, his playfulness and and his youthful and his vibrancy and all that stuff, his, you know, um, that that's what made him who he was. That's, that's what gave him his shine and his star, star power. And, you know, I'm starting to see in him that, that, that light dim, yeah. you know, and I just, have you heard the new album? Ever, Oh uh, yeah, I have. I mean, it's great. It's good. I honestly, I think Purpose was his best album. Was it? I I, I listened to that whole thing. I still listen to it, and I just cry because it's just, it's an amazing, amazing album. I've never heard it. I mean, I have listened to it. Oh, bro, like what are you doing? It's like it's like his best stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, oh, I just, I just, I just, for me, I guess I always put him in that box of like you know a kid like pop stuff you know what i mean i never really and that's probably my own ignorance i never really gave him a chance to to win me over i just see him as the baby well, also, baby. like that's the only thing yeah. i think of when i think a, of a, but don't knock it because that song is still hot yeah okay? that song is dope point that luda got up in the remix no okay? like i i used to play music at my daughter's softball games and i throw it on the girls would go crazy you know what i mean yeah <laughs> 15, yeah and, 16 and year old girls now yeah, and it's probably like interesting for you because it's like you're like a grown man like listening to like a little like teen boy who like balls hasn't even right. dropped yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I I get that I'm a girl, but I don't know. Maybe you need to talk to my brother about that cuz we're we he's been listening to like I said <laughs> Justin Bieber. He knows like the whole one less lonely girl song, you yeah. know. And we were adults when JB came out. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah you may have to get on him on that that part of the the mindset but i'll have to listen to, to um, purpose yeah but no i mean he a great he's a great um songwriter great musician has he just comes from a great place has you know worked with great people and like his lyrics are just amazing and again like i said purpose i think was the culmination of his of the pinnacle of 
everything of who he was. I mean, it's just it was a great album. And then Diplo, Diplo and um, uh, Diplo did all the production. And then Pooh Bear wrote like um, pretty much half of the album with him too. Hmm. I'll peep so, it yeah. out. <laughs> I'll cool. listen to some Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's the best man i love beebs i love the beebs the beebs i love the beebs yeah and if i ever give him ever if i ever see him ever get a chance to meet him i just can't wait because i'm just gonna give him so much love he's just not even gonna know what to do with it i'm gonna be like you know i'm gonna give him hope again yeah because i know i know what that's like i know what it's like to get to a point in your life where you know it's just like okay what what is all of this what was has been the point of all of it and forget it and then to find you know, love and hope again of the intention of what I wanted, which I would, I, which I did discover when I was just a kid. I mean, I remember in my room and I wanted Jesus so bad because of the love that he gave, you know, and, you know, the reason why I wanted that is because, you know, I was a young kid. My parents' marriage was crap, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, at that point people had been coming in out of my life and you know and it's like I didn't see there wasn't like a lot of that stability there and you know I had issues you know with my dad when I was younger because of you know his anger and stuff like that and I needed I needed I needed love and I saw as a young kid that Jesus could give me that and then religion fucked that up Mm. and then I rediscovered it again at 27 and and I, I can say that today, um, I'm probably in the best place I've ever been and getting better because understanding it, I feel like I know it all while at the same time, I know nothing. Mm. Like I just, yes, that's it. Like, yeah. That's the like, key. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I that's try That's the whole to, point like, of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Still searching. Still searching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah. I mean, cause it's like. You know, um, you know, I tell people like I don't I try not to, especially when I'm when I'm talking to people and stuff like, you know, one on one, like I'm not here to say a bunch of words because I can do I can do the whole religion thing. I I know how to make I don't I know how to move emotions. Okay, that's not hard. Yeah. Like if you and I were asked to go preach in a church, like we could still do it. Oh yeah, dude. Pull we could on have hard fat, strings. Dude, we'd have a fatty altar call with like some awesome worship music. You know and take I mean? a like, take up like, an offering after. For real, we'd be walking out with some a fatty offering on top of that. But <laughs> I've learned, I've learned. Even though I know I I can pull the emotions or pull the heartstrings, I I know that that's not genuine, mm. and I don't want to do that form of church. Um, even though, again, like I said, there, there were, which we experienced where it was authentic. It wasn't just contrived, you know, trying to conjure up emotions. There were genuine moments where it just was like, it was life-changing moments, you know, it was like, it was relief for that moment. And, um, you know, when I talk to people, especially when I talk to them, because I don't talk to people about God because who is God? What is God? That's just, that's a lot. And if I'm going to come from a Christian's perspective, just to sum it up real quick, God had, has, or still has, according to the Bible, a million thousand and bajillion gazillion names. The first time he ever even said his name was to Moses in the Bible because Moses asked and said, well, who do I say sent me? And he Mm -hmm. says, I I am am sent me. 
and you break that down in the Hebrew, that is Yahweh, which means God is everything. Prior to then, and even after that, people called God Jehovah, you know, uh, 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 what is it? The I don't remember how to pronounce it. It's like Makesha, Makeshadish or the God, the, the the God who sanctifies me, um, Hosea bunch, called him. Bunch of names. Yeah, just a bunch of different names. They called him so many different names because that's who they understood God as. So you know, if Abraham was like, "Yo, God, you're my friend," because that's, he saw him as his friend. Hosea saw him as his lover, which was, I think, Ishai. Um, in Hosea, he calls him Ishai. He's like, you know, um, the God who is my lover. So everyone experiences God in a different way, and his name to them is very different. So if people say they believe in faith, or people say they believe in love, or they believe in hope, or whatever it is, then you understand God, and you don't have to go to church for that. You don't have to say that you believe in Jesus or that he died on the cross. You just have to believe those things, because he is those things. Mm. And you can do that however looks best for you and at the end of the day as long as you're living a happy and abundant life then his purpose was fulfilled because that's all he wanted to do so that you could live life and life more abundantly mm. nothing more and nothing less there it is <laughs> yeah carla carla torres everybody we're at an hour and a half <laughs> yo yo My, i'm looking going. I'm looking at so my. Jesus S comes back. <laughs> Just kidding. Just I'm, looking, kidding. I'm looking at my SD card and it's about to run out. So I'm like, oh shoot! I'm like, gotta wind it down. But thank you that so much, spot. Carla. We we, you, we before we started recording, we we're like, dude, this could go like two, three, four, five parts. So you don't even know. I could be your co-host. It's for real. The, next time you're in Cali, you have to come in here. Like, oh, I am so coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll hotbox it in here for you. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I I I like that contact. That contact time, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Then you just go <laughs> we take can a do nap. that. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Carla, I'm gonna stop recording here. Um, is there anything you're into right now? Like, should we? I'm gonna plug your IG. Um, what are you What are you doing right now? Well, yeah, follow me on my IG. Uh, funny thing is, I've been trying to start a podcast for six months called The Preacher's Kid. So we'll see. Mm. I'm trying to find time in my schedule to record that because it ain't easy. Um, but yeah, no, follow me on my IG, Carla Torres Music. Um, I'm also, uh, I submitted my my TV pitch to Tyler Perry Studios. That's right. You were working on something for a long time, right? Um, yeah, I'm still working on it and still yeah. pitching it, and which is basically based off my 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 upbringing with hoodlums and hood rats all up in my home. Um, <laughs> it's a working title called Mi Vila Loca. Yeah, so that's dope. And and I'm trying to finish my book called The Diaries of a Virgin. Nice, so, nice. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention this, and I'll tell you right now. One of my, I don't know if it's still on your YouTube, but. Um, my favorite, favorite, favorite song is when you would sing Refuge. Um, yeah, it's Darnell, still up there. Darnell Evans. Oh, Daryl Evans, but it's okay, I'll forgive you. What is it? Dar who? Daryl Evans. Daryl Evans, whatever his name is. I don't, I don't listen to these guys, but I love that song. Like, that's like, if, if there's any, if there's one song that, you know what I mean? Like, you just really just cherish and love, like, that's yeah. it. Man. Yeah. I just love the way you do it. I'm going to, I'm going to probably cue it on here at the end and play it as we uh roll out 
Yeah, cool, cool. All right, guys. Peace. Thank you, Bye. Carla. Thanks. You're my